This is KHOL News. I'm Will Walkie. We'll be hearing a story in just a few minutes about a regional utility cooperative struggling to make the switch from fossil fuels to renewable energy. But first, as Donald Trump officially leaves the office of the president today, his party affiliation, the GOP, is divided about its future. And nowhere is that more apparent, perhaps, than right here in Wyoming, which voted over 70% for Trump in the 2020 election. On one side of the Republican spectrum are the Liz Cheneys of the world. Cheney voted to impeach the president last week and has strongly condemned his role in the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. On the other side are several other members of the state's GOP, many of whom call Cheney's decision a true travesty. Frank Eathorn Jr., the chair of the Wyoming Republican Party, has been particularly vocal in support of Trump, at times downplaying the role conservatives played at the insurrection. He entrenched his stance on the state of American politics even deeper on Saturday, while on former White House strategist Steve Bannon's podcast. Many of these Western states have the ability to be self-reliant, and we're keeping eyes on Texas, too, in their uh, consideration of possible secession. These comments caught the attention of national media and shocked Teton County GOP chair Alexander Moromsev. Yeah, I'm, I'm horrified. I think it's completely inappropriate for the chairman of the Wyoming Republican Party to be making comments like that. And I don't see how you can respect the Constitution and yet be uh, casually talking about secession. Moromsev supported Cheney in her decision to impeach the president last week, though he stressed that wasn't the party's official stance. That will have to wait, he says, until more information surfaces at the upcoming Senate trial. Senators John Barrasso and Cynthia Lummis will have critical votes at the trial, with Lummis in particular being on the hot seat among voters for her choice to join Ted Cruz and others in objecting to the election results in Pennsylvania recently. Mormsev says that choice was ill-advised. Any points she scored as a matter of principle in calling out some of what happened with the Pennsylvania election is swamped by the disapproval she has received from Wyoming voters. So it was a political miscalculation. Mormsev says Inauguration Day is a time for all Americans to move on to the next president in a nonviolent way, quoting Abraham Lincoln and saying, a house divided cannot stand. He fears comments like Eathorn Jr.'s could make it harder for the Teton County Republicans to succeed in future elections. At times, it's not easy to be a Republican in Teton County, and this is one of those times. With everything that's going on on a national and now on a state level, I think people question question what's going on, and then um, perhaps they're not as supportive of what we're trying to do at a local level. Mormsev expects to address Eathorn Jr.'s comments at the next party committee meeting in February. For KHOL News in Jackson, I'm Will Walkie. Next, we have a story through the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Coalition. As the Joe Biden administration takes over, it's unclear how his environmental policies will impact states like Wyoming that have historically depended on fossil fuels, not only as an export, but as a power source for local utility companies. Here's that story coming to us from KSJD in Cortez, Colorado. The Tri-State Generation and Transmission Association, the electrical utility cooperative that provides power to many rural areas of Colorado, New Mexico, Wyoming, and Nebraska, has relied on coal and fossil fuels to generate the bulk of its power for many years. Now, Tri-State is beginning a rapid shift toward increasing renewable energy. But as Austin Cope reports, undoing years of fossil fuel influence may be challenging. 
When Tri-State Generation and Transmission Association unveiled its Responsible Energy Plan at the beginning of 2020, it released a video showing colorful footage of solar panels and wind turbines in a grassy field. We are taking bold steps to change how your energy is produced, with 50% of your electricity coming from renewable sources by 2024. Because as a cooperative, we are changing together. The specifics of this plan are being submitted to Colorado regulators this winter in a document called an Electric Resource Plan, or ERP. Right now, Tri-State still gets two-thirds of its energy from fossil fuel sources. As late as 2016, that amount was over three-quarters. The hallmark of the electric resource plan filing in our preferred scenario is the identification of an additional 1,850 megawatts of renewable energy and energy storage that we believe we'll need to install by 2030. That's Tri-State's Vice President of Communications, Lee Bowie. He says, among other benchmarks, the co-op is on track to meet an 80% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions in Colorado by 2030. It will also close all of its fossil fuel plants in Colorado by the end of the decade. He says its plans show a commitment to providing, quote, reliable and responsible energy to its members. Well, I do know they're committed because there's a state mandate that requires them to be committed. That's Jessica Matlock, CEO of La Plata Electric Association in southwestern Colorado. She's referring to legislation passed in 2019 that requires utilities in Colorado to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions to 80 percent of 2005 levels by 2030. This legislation is a bigger influence on Tri-State's creation of the Responsible Energy Plan than the utility's commitment to fighting climate change, Matlock says. The cooperative has had a historic culture of viewing fossil fuels as superior to renewable energy, she adds, and that view stretches back a long time. As an example, she recalls working as a staffer on a U.S. Senate Energy Committee in the mid-2000s, where Tri-State would come to lobby alongside fossil fuel investors in support of pro-coal legislation. This was an electric cooperative utility, a public power entity, that was advocating, the only one in the U.S. advocating to keep their coal. The process to create Tri-State's Responsible Energy Plan didn't start until 2019, after the legislation was passed and after two of Tri-State's main competitors had released their own versions of renewable energy expansion plans. Bowie acknowledges some skepticism about the transition towards renewables among some of Tri-State's 42-member co-ops. But he says the steps the utility has taken with the REP shows that solar, wind, and hydropower can be reliable and cost-competitive with coal and natural gas. Formerly resistant members are coming around to the changes, he says. But other co-op members think the transition is moving too slowly. La Plata Electric and another member are negotiating to exit or modify their Tri-State contracts, and two others have already left the co-op. Details are still being worked out in court, but the move stem in part from Tri-State's contract restrictions on the amount of renewable energy the local cooperatives have been allowed to generate. For example, Delta Montrose Electric Association in western Colorado finalized its exit in the summer of 2020. It cited the high prices of fossil fuels and Tri-State's reluctance to add more renewables to its grid in its decision to do so. Another provider in New Mexico followed a similar track several years previously. Other parts of the Responsible Energy Plan also need improvement according to Gwen Farnsworth, Senior Energy Policy Advisor at the Environmental Policy Group Western Resource Advocates. While the plan will reduce greenhouse gas emissions from fossil fuels, it doesn't account for emissions from sources outside of Colorado. Specifically, Farnsworth notes Tri-State still has a contract to buy power from a large coal power plant in Wyoming. So I think that's going to be one of the big challenges is figuring out how Tri-State can meet its goals for emissions reductions, for renewable energy, and for cost reductions for their customers in Colorado while they are tied to a contract 
with an out-of-state generation that is high cost and high emissions. While Tri-State is considering a plan to stop buying power from that station by 2033, Bowie says it has not made a final commitment and won't for some time. We have to work with the other owners of those power plants um, as we look at the future and what role they play in the electric system. This winter, as Tri-State submits documents about the plan, Colorado regulators will have the chance to require changes, clarifications, and additions. So now, with 2019's legislation, the state of Colorado will get to decide whether Tri-State's responsible energy plan is really responsible enough. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio and KSJD, I'm Austin Cope.